Well, good morning, Calvary Slow. Uh, it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Greg Squires, and I'm going to be teaching this morning and sharing with you. Um, I want to add one thing to what Katie shared uh, about our plans on August 9th. Um, we're going to be meeting outside and in our parking lot, um, and that's going to be a space for us to be able to uh, worship and sing and uh, just gather together. And so we look forward to that. And uh, as uh, she said, more details will come. Um, our e-weekly is an email that goes out every week. That's one of the best places to uh, get that information. Um, just this week, there was a message um, from our stewardship team. Uh, Emily uh, uh, Neal did a great job. So if you uh, want to hear about kind of how the church is doing, uh, there's a great update there, and, and you won't want to miss that. Um, we, uh, we, we also, I just wanted to, to say we miss you. Um, we uh, want to know how you're doing. And we have a Facebook page, Calvary Slow Prayer. It's a place for you to be able to share um, with uh, the church and with those that have committed to pray of how you're doing or what, what needs are going on in your life. Um, so we want you to take advantage of that um, and share those with us. And, and we, we are praying for you. We are regularly gathering and, and praying for you during this time when we're, um, we're d- dispersed uh, and not able to be uh, together in person. Um, I'm really excited to uh, get into God's Word this morning. Uh, we're going to be reading Psalm 90 together. And so uh, what we see in Psalm 90 is timeless wisdom from Moses, one of the few psalms that uh, is written by Moses. And uh, we're going to learn some some timely things and some timeless things that I, I hope are encouraging for us during this time. Uh, and And so... Uh, I want to just kind of guide you through the, the psalm, and then I'm going to read it for us. Uh, we really see four movements in Psalm 90. The first movement uh, really is about time related to God. What is, what is God's time? How does God relate to time? Uh, then the next movement is how does man relate to time? And we will really understand that, um, what it means for us to pass time and how quick life goes and how... Time can feel fleeting and futile. Uh, And then there's going to be this segment that I'm calling Stuff We All Know. Uh, Really just, what is the nature of life? And what is the nature of the challenge of life? And so I want you to look for that in verses 7 to 11 as we read it in a minute. Um, And then there's some really good, encouraging and challenging prayers that Moses will lead us through um, in the last part of the chapter. And that's really where we're going to spend the majority of our time in really asking the question, uh, what does wise living look like? And especially in this season, you know, I hope to be able to comment on what wise living looks like during this time and how we can really press in and have God lead us and shape us. So let's read Psalm 90 together, um, and then I'll, I'll pray and share some thoughts. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever You had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight or but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we're brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we're dismayed. We've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. 
We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The, the years of our life are 70, or by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Lord, we pray that together this morning. There are parts of what we just read that really resonate with our soul, that sometimes life feels futile or fleeting. Sometimes it feels hard. Sometimes it feels like it's just passing away, as if it's out of control. Yet, Lord, we want to pray these same prayers, Lord, to satisfy us, to make us glad. Teach us to number our days. Establish our work, Lord. May the favor of the Lord be upon us. So so we pray those things this morning, and God, would you, through your Holy Spirit and through uh, technology and streaming and ability to gather, even when we can't gather, Lord, would you be honored in uh, just what's spoken this morning, and may your Spirit prick our hearts and draw us closer to you. In your name, amen. So we see these four movements in Psalm 90 where we're really first understanding God and how God fits into time. Uh, God is an everlasting God. God has existed from the beginning of time. He created time, and, and he is an eternal God. Before the mountains were brought forth, before the earth was formed, before creation, God was present. You just, you just have to stop and think about that for a minute, that we don't really understand what it means to exist before time or exist before the earth. It, it, it really blows our mind when we try and understand God on an eternal nature, on an eternal perspective. Um, but then he starts to describe how a thousand years are but as yesterday and as if it's a day that has passed. Um, and that's where, you know, we start to begin to compare the way God experiences time to the way the man experiences time. Uh, man being temporal. Man has days that are numbered. It says that maybe it's 70 years or 80 years that we might live. Um, but just think about how we experience time differently at different times of our life. Um, think about a five-year-old. I have two of those. And think about the, the way they think about a week. How long is a week? How long is a year until their next birthday? That's a lot of time, I think because it's one year out of five years. And then isn't it true that as we go through life, it seems like life seems to go faster? That when you're 30 or 40 or 60 or 80, times, time flies, Right. I'm no expert on this, but I do have a theory that I think one year for us is, is, is it goes faster after you've lived more of them. Um, so perhaps that's one way we can understand how we as man, as human, experience time differently than God, who has existed across all time. And so a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday in that God sees all of eternity but I think as we're going to go through this, we're going to see how Moses prays to teach us to number our days. We're going to talk about that quite a bit this morning. I think that God really cares about each day. 
And however, each day seems to pass pretty quickly. And uh, there's several analogies that he uses here. He says, man's time is like a watch in the night where there used to be watchmen who would sit through hours of the night to protect a city. A watch in the night just goes like that. Uh, or he uses images of a flood. Our days are swept away like a flood. Think about how water can rage in, can rush in, and then it can go away. Um, I grew up in Northern California, and uh, there were rice fields around us. Have you ever seen a rice field? Super flat, these you know lines of dirt that hold the water in. The water would come in, it would flood, that's how rice grows, and then it would go away. Uh, you know, and that was either for weeks or, or, or longer. But he's trying to use imagery here to help us see that things come and things go. Um, he uses language like a dream. Uh, I don't really remember my dreams. Uh, I'm kind of jealous of those that do. Um, I, my wife sometimes will tell me about her dream, and uh, I just can't relate because I wake up and it's like there's something that happened, but I rarely remember the details. Um, but but that's kind of the nature of a day sometimes is I don't really know what happened. It just came and it went. Um, and so that's, again, just another way to uh, help us understand, uh, Lord, time seems to be futile and, and, and passing. Uh, and then he uses the idea of grass, grass that stands and then it falls. The sun shines and it rises and then the sun goes down and it fades and it withers. So, you know, he uses several imagery points here to kind of help us relate to man experiencing time as, as fleeting and as temporal and as numbered. We also see in James 4 uh, the description of life as mist or as vapor. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So again, the same imagery uh, and so there's God who exists across all of time. God is eternal. And there's man who comes and then goes. And so that's how he begins this. He begins with worship. Lord, you've been our dwelling place. God, you exist outside of time. We exist in time. And, and there's some challenges in that. And we'll get to, to that in a minute when he um, laments a little bit more before he, he prays. But have you ever thought about where time came from you know we really depend upon the clock and the calendar Um, and so i was kind of curious about that so i'm going to read a couple of uh, notes from you from uh, wikipedia uh, the place where we can learn lots of things so uh, so listen with this where did time come from artifacts from the paleolithic period suggest the moon was used to reckon time as early as six thousand years ago Lunar calendars were among the first to appear with either 12 or 13 lunar months. That's 354 or 384 days. Without intercalation to add days or months to some years, seasons quickly drift in a calendar based solely on 12 lunar months. Lunisolar calendars have a 13th month added to some years to make up for the difference between a full year now known to be 365.24 days. So 6,000 years ago, uh, it's believed that the moon was used to track time. It's the best they got and the best they could guess. Uh, the God who created time and man who's trying to figure out how to put a clock or a calendar together. So then uh, the reforms of Julius Caesar in 45 BC put the Roman world on a solar calendar using the sun. So this Julian calendar was faulty in that its intercalculation still allowed the astronomical solstices and equinoxes to advance against it by about 11 minutes per year. Sun, 
closer, 12 months, but still off by 11 minutes per year. Uh, so Pope Gregory VIII introduced a correction in 1582. The Gregorian calendar uh, was only slowly adopted by different nations over a period of centuries, but it's now uh, far, far, by far the most commonly used calendar in the world. So this guy, Gregory, he must have been brilliant if his name was Gregory. Uh, he put together this modified solar calendar uh, where we use now the term leap year. To, to compensate for these 11 minutes per year. So think about this. God creates time. Man exists within time. Our days are numbered. We don't understand how God created time, but yet we try to mirror or match what he created. And, and you know, we've, in a way, been able to figure it out as close as we can uh, through 6,000 years of study. Uh, but I think it's representative of the fact that, you know, God really is in his infinite wisdom, and we are um, really subject to that, um, and we really need to trust him in, in him being sovereign over all things. So he talks about time with God and man having different clocks, beating to a different different clock. And then he spends a few verses talking about the futility of life and how days pass away so in verses 7 through 11, uh, he uses some language to say things like, our days pass away and our years end like a sigh. Think about uh, the way that, that you just kind of breathe in and breathe out like a sigh, like a disappointment. Um, you know, sometimes life can feel unfulfilling or our days are but toil and trouble. Uh, or there's secret sins that get revealed and, and we really don't like when things get exposed um, if we are living in darkness and then there's talk of God's wrath and God's anger. Um, and, you know, there is a reality in Scripture that speaks about the, the nature of our sin leading to destruction and how there are consequences and punishment for our sin. And if that was all of the story, or if that was the end of this psalm, I think it would be, uh, it would be a discouraging one. It would be one that would not have a good ending. Uh, and and maybe lead us to a place of despair. Um, but I think there's some good news here. And I think Moses takes a moment here to, to transition from speaking about the futility of life to speaking about how our our moment just comes and it goes, But and we live perhaps under God's wrath and God's anger, but that's not the whole story of the Bible. When we study Jesus and we see the way he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. There is so much throughout scripture that speaks of the love of God. And as we look at the whole character of God, we can really see that he is a God who loves and he is a God who is just. And that's how we can understand God's wrath and anger towards sin and how he makes us right as we trust Jesus. So as we understand time and how God exists in eternity and we exist in a temporal nature. Sometimes it, it leads us to, to a place of saying, Lord, would you teach us how to live in light of that? Would you teach me to understand how to live in today? And that's what Moses does. He transitions and he begins to pray in a way, I think, to teach us how to pray, to teach us to come to God and say, Lord, would you, would you help me to live today? To honor you, would you 
help me to release my plans. We're going to talk in a minute about making plans and how uh, sometimes that can feel futile, even especially during this season. Um, and, and we're going to talk about how, Lord, would you establish the work that I do? And may your favor be on that work. So that's where we're headed. And I want to encourage us with, with a few thoughts in this here. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think the point of that prayer is really to say, Lord, I want to live wisely. And Ephesians 5.15 really captures this well. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And what we see here is Paul encouraging the church in Ephesus to, to pray this way and to say, Lord, how do I make the most of every opportunity in front of me? Lord, how do I live in a way that, that redeems today uh, and to, to live wisely in this moment? Um, so let's talk about this word redeem. Uh, sometimes uh, we don't quite understand redemption or, or how um, something can be redeemed. But I think about um, having a ticket to get into a game or to get into a, a movie and that ticket in itself, it really doesn't have value until it's redeemed to then be able to experience what's on the other side of that. Um, that's, that's what I think of when I think of the word redeem. Redeem the time. Redeem the day. Make the most of the day. Turn it into something good. Turn it into something that has great value. Um, or I've been looking at some uh, fruit on our, count, our counter. We have some peaches and plums uh, in great uh, volume with a, a couple of trees that are producing really well. Um, and there are some that uh, tomorrow are not going to be any good. And so to eat it today is to redeem it. It's to turn something that, that in itself, you know, may not be good or it may not, you may not be able to experience the goodness of it until you consume it, until you convert it into something that's good. So we say, Lord, teach us how to live wisely. Teach us how to embrace today, to number our days, to count our days. Paul continues in Ephesians 5, after he says, making the most of every opportunity, not living as unwise, but as wise, he says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is a very powerful encouragement. Um, what it's saying is, the will of God can be known. Don't be foolish, uh, but don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, he goes on to say. And we can understand what God's will is as we seek him, as we listen as we wake each morning and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? We're going to talk about that in a minute, about how we say, Lord, satisfy me with your unfailing love today. Lord, show me how I'm to live today. Uh, but I think we should be encouraged to find that we can make the most of what's right in front of us, and we can know what God wants for us this day when we say, Lord, teach us to number this day. Um, you, you may remember the movie uh, Dead Poets Society with Robin Williams. Um, did you see this one? He's got a moment in there, and it's kind of stuck out for me. I, you know, it's been 25 years since I've seen it. But uh, he, he gets these young men together, and he, he gets quiet with them, and he says, Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. And that's always stuck with me. You know, carpe diem is Latin for seize the day or seize the moment. And, you know, I think that's what, Moses is encouraging us to do in light of what he's helped us see about time. And I think that's what Paul is encouraging us to do, to live with wisdom. 
and to live today. So let me read a few more verses for us uh, to round this out. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul again saying, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 1 Peter 4, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5, So then let us not sleep, as others do, as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So that's my prayer for us in this time. How are you doing with living in today? Has this season caused you to be on alert, sober-minded, engaged and recognizing i need the lord today or has this season this strange time caused you to be disengaged or caused you to be caught up in something else or concerned about a week or a month or a year from now which there's so much uncertainty i think the encouragement for us is to be alert to be of sober mind to not be engaged in other things that either distract or or take us away from really pressing in to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I number this day? How can I make this day count? And that's what we would call thoughtful, intentional living, where you, you lit, wake up each day and say, Lord, how can I live intentionally for you? And so maybe you hear that and you go, okay, Greg, that sounds nice. That sounds like what I want, but I don't feel that. Where does the energy for that come from? Where does the motivation for that come from? And and what if it feels like, you know, I've tried, but it just seems like I make a plan, it doesn't work out. Or I try and it just doesn't work out. Um, does planning seem futile in this time? <laughs> There's a little graphic here that uh, maybe uh, you can relate to. Make a plan. Nope. Make another plan. Nope. How about plan C? Um, you know, I, I think we can all relate. A lot of plans have changed uh, in these past four or five months. Um, but I think God has something to say about that. And I think he wants to encourage us to really walk with him as it relates to intentional living, wise living, thoughtful living. I want to live for his kingdom purpose. If we've been redeemed and we've been made right with God or our eyes have been opened, our desire is to live for him. But sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes it can feel like I don't even know what to do today. I don't even know what next week's going to look like. So, so let's talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about planning and, and what the Bible has to say about making a plan. James 4 says, Come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Proverbs 16 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So when we set out to make a plan, uh, if you know me, you'll know that I am a planner. Um, I like to uh, describe what's coming ahead. I like to forecast. I like to see the future. 
and in a way that that's part of my role as a dad and a and a pastor and a and a business leader but yet i've been learning a lot about this um especially in this time when things are less predictable and less certain the heart of man plans his way but the lord establishes his steps james talks about how yeah you might be able to say i'm going to go out and do this or that but the point of that is to say if the lord wills we will live and do this or that which is to describe this posture of dependence, this posture of requiring the provision of God in order for the thing I may have planned or desired to do to actually come about. Um, and there's a, a diagram that I think will help us uh, understand this. I've been, I've been thinking about this and thinking this way, that we have an intent, uh, but that alone we will not, likely not be able to bring about the outcome we're looking for. We need the favor of God to come alongside our intent, we have a role, but God has a necessary role in that for us to be able to make a plan and see it through. I kind of think of it like flying in an airplane. You know, you can buy a ticket, you can sit in the seat, and you can get on the plane, but you're not flying that plane. I mean, unless you're a pilot, uh, you're not going to make it go. You need fuel, you need schedules to work out, you need uh, weather patterns to work out. Um, and so in many ways, we're dependent on many things that outside of things we can control. Um, and I think this moment where we've really had to have plans changed and had to kind of step back and release our next week plans, our next month plans, it's, it's been hard, right? But I think what that's done, it's actually exposed the fact that we don't have as much control as we think. And I think it helps us to come to a place to live more in today and not be living in next week and next month and next year, either worried about it or excited about it or hopeful that tomorrow might be better. Jesus has given us today. How will we live in it? Psalm 127 says, It's in vain you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. I love to sleep well, and I know I don't sleep well when I'm anxious. I don't sleep well when I have toil, anxious toil and I've, you know, stayed up late or got up early for whatever reason. There's a, there's a blessing in having restful sleep. Um, but the point of this is to say it's in vain you rise up early and go late to bed. It's not that we shouldn't work hard. It's not that we should, should not put forth our best efforts. We're going to talk about work in a minute here, but the point is that God's favor, God's provision, coupled with our intent, is what's necessary there. Um, we'll read in a bit. The, the rest of Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It's that they both are necessary, right? I have to show up. God has to do the work. And then let's read Ecclesiastes 7. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God's made the one as well as the other, so man may not find out anything that will be after him. You know, God's, God's created each day, and some days are great, and some days are tough, and that's the nature of life. But what if our prayer each day was, Lord, would you teach us to release our plans? Lord, would you teach us to trust you with the outcome for each day? And to embrace today, to number today, as if it's, to be redeemed, and to be dedicated to your purpose. 
So a couple of ways to do that. Uh, we're going to transition into talking about, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love and establish the work of our hands. So I'll cover those two things and then I'll close here in a minute. But as you, as you go through your days, Moses is encouraging us to say, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Lord, make us glad. Uh, Psalm 5 says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and I wait in expectation. There's a longing there. There's a desire. There's a, an expectation that I want to show up in the morning, in the cool of the day, the quiet of the day, after the Lord has given me sleep. So Lord, I'm, ex- I'm expecting something from you. Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. How do you think the watchman looked for the morning at like 4 a.m.? If it was your job to stay awake at night and guard the city, I think you'd be hopeful I think you'd be eager. I think you'd be longing for that sun to rise. Um, And he's saying, my soul waits for the Lord. In his word, I hope. Um, You know, Jesus did this. He woke up each morning. And we see all throughout the Gospels where he would go away to a quiet place to pray. Because he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He had to know what the will of the Father was. He had to listen. He had to ask. He had to get to a quiet place, away from the crowds, away from his disciples, and he'd say, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? Am I in this city or that? Am I to speak to this crowd or not? Am I to heal this person or not? What is the state of their heart? How do I, how do I respond to this person or this crowd or this challenger? Jesus did this. So what we find in the morning, is there something special about it? Uh, there's a a poise to hear. There's a willingness after this, the night of sleep. Lord willing, we've gotten a night of sleep. Um, to say, Lord, what do you have for me this day? There's a hunger. There's an eagerness. There's a longing like the watchman. There's a refreshing newness like the mercies are new. There's a clarity, not a confusion. How many of you had a, a, a trouble yesterday and you slept on it and then the next day it became more clear? Um, and there's a joy and a rejoicing and a satisfaction. Just, I encourage you in this time, it's, it's, we can't gather as we would want. We can't be in community as we want. Um, but you have God's word. You have God's spirit. You have the ability to take a walk in the morning or sit and watch the sunrise or have a moment to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And, and I think that when we do that, just as Moses did, he was able to turn his heart from this life feels futile. There's toil, there's trouble, there's, there's problems. And he turns his heart to say, Lord, would you establish the work that I'm going to do today? Would you satisfy me so I can live and operate from a place of God's provision? And so let's, let's talk about work. You know, all of us have different activities we do each day. Some of us have children and care for them. Some of us work a job. Some of us are students. But all of us have 
work that God has invited us to do. Um, God created us to work. God, from the very beginning, he put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, he said, till the soil and make it fruitful and multiply. And he invites us to create order, to create things, to organize, to administer, to plant and to build. And that is, that is a great calling and something that we can actually get very excited about and find the gift of enjoyment in work. And we see that Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about this. He talks about the nature of work being futile. There's, there's quite a bit in the book of Ecclesiastes that parallels what's spoken here. So if you're looking for some follow-up reading, uh, read through the book of Ecclesiastes and see how Solomon processes some of this futility and some of what he calls a vanity or meaninglessness. And, and what he does, though, is he helps us see that it is a gift of God to enjoy what he's given us. I perceive there is nothing better for them, the people, than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live, that everyone should eat and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. And so my, my hope for you is that you can find pleasure in the work that you do. And that's actually something I'm very passionate about personally. And if that's something you want to talk about ever, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to sit down and, and hear what, is you, what do you believe your life calling is? And how do you engage in your work? Um, it's a thing I've, I've thought a lot about. But I believe that God had, has invited us to pray this prayer that says, Lord, would you, would you let your work be shown to your servants and your power to your children? Go back to that other slide. I'm going to read it. Would the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands? Yes, establish the work of our hands. Isn't that that diagram where it's saying, Lord, would your favor be on us and establish the work that my hands are going to do? I have a role, but unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchmen watch in vain. And so that's my encouragement for us this morning as we wake each day and have this prayer each day that says, Lord, would you satisfy us with your unfailing love? Would you make us glad despite the toil and trouble we may feel? And Lord, would you establish the work I'm going to do today? I'm going to show up and do my part. I don't know if I'm going to this city or that. I don't know if I'm going to spend a year there. But Lord, if it's your will today, I want to do what's going to honor you. And, and I think that's actually what brings the joy because our expectations are aligned with God, which is not being foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. We can find what his will is, especially if we wake each morning and say, Lord, what do you have for me? But then there's this, this most important uh, part of the prayer that says the favor of God be upon us, which is also this humble dependence to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm committed to show up and be your means to bring about the blessing that you have. So work can simultaneously be delightful and frustrating. Um, life can simultaneously be delightful and frustrating. And I think that's part of this timeless wisdom from Moses that he's sharing with us this morning to just say that, that life can be tough 
and it's hard to plan. And our days are but 70, maybe. But what God has invited us to do is to say, Lord, would you satisfy us with your love? Would you establish the work of my hands? Would your favor be on me? And, and my encouragement for you is, as we close here is if your life feels in any way pointless or futile, I encourage you to wake each morning and, and, and read God's word, connect with a friend and say, Lord, what do you have for me? Open your heart to God. I believe he will respond with his steadfast love. If does planning seem impractical or impossible right now, maybe we, maybe we need to focus more on today. Maybe God's inviting us to seize the moment, to count today. And I believe there's great joy in that. So I hope this has been encouraging for you. I, I hope that Psalm 90 is something you could read again this week as we're going through the Psalms and that it would Stir up your heart to press in during this time where, you know, frankly, we as disciples of Jesus, I think, are being tested and challenged to not be dependent on a weekly gathering where we can come and and hear and listen and be with others and and worship and song live. You know, that's, um, that's something that's hard for us, right? But I do think that it's an opportunity for us to press in. It's an opportunity for us to be fed by God's word and by God's spirit and through relationship that we can be connected with each other uh, through texting and calling and small group meeting and, and, and a, we still can gather and we still can connect. But yet we need our souls nourished and God is that source for that. And I think these prayers that Moses encouraged us with um, are the things that we need. So Lord, would you... Would you satisfy us? Make us glad. Lord, would you help us address the things we feel that are futile and, and meaningless sometimes and toilsome and weighty? And Lord, those secret sins that we don't want to have revealed, Lord, we confess those and bring them into the light. God, would you teach us all to number our days? Teach us to make the most of this day. Teach us not to worry about tomorrow. Jesus, you said that so many times throughout the Gospels because it's a common problem of man that we are worried and anxious and concerned about tomorrow because we believe we need to take care of it. But Lord, teach us to have faith. Teach us to trust and that you'd give us that heart of wisdom. So we thank you for your word. I thank you for these friends that tuned in this morning. May you encourage and bless them as we begin a new week together. In your name, amen. Thanks for tuning in and hope to see you guys soon.